0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 726, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. And in this case, I literally mean it. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow. Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week. This is episode 726. I'm Josh Flanagan. With me is my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And there's a special treat this week. Joining us is our eccentric benefactor patron, Damian Sherman. Hey.
1: Hey, hello. How are you? <laughs>
0: I'm good. Are you sad about this?
1: <laughs> I was trying to do dramatic. Hey, hello. How are you? I was trying to NPR. Yeah. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> I, I do that a lot.
0: Uh. uh yes. He helped support the show. His reward is he gets to come on here. We made sure he wasn't a lunatic, and then we went and brought him on.
2: So, yeah, in case people don't know, we had a, you know our, our patreon.com slash FM, but we, we put in as a joke, as we did with our Goodfellas Minute podcast, an eccentric benefactor level of support, and the reward for that was you got to come on the show, and we had someone do that for Goodfellas Minute, and then we had someone do it here both times. I were, we're not expecting that to happen, so thank you.
0: Now, he's the the commandant. I don't know the and it, for all time. So I don't know. We don't know if we have a title for you, but we have to think of eccentric you
2: know. benefactor is the uh, okay. It, it says he that's should fun. have it embroidered on a robe, a smoky <laughs> jacket, like the EB. Like
0: the I'm seeing the royal crown bag. They are purple uh yes, gold exactly. Yeah, I think that's right. EBP. We'll have we'll have that made <laughs> up. Great, thank
1: you, thank you.
2: We'll ask you some questions about yourself. Sure. When uh, okay. we get to your segment that you picked out. So we'll get to that in a little yes. bit. A We'll first sure. we get to the, the business of the show. Yes. Okay,
0: so yes. here's the explanation. It has aged a bit in the past month.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, are a where
0: we normally read our comics, we talk about them, we have fun. But as you know, nothing is normal, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Well, nothing matters doesn't feel quite so true anymore. Anyway, comics are weird. There aren't new comics, so we are making this up as we go along. Good news is we have no problem filling time. And two, we've gotten to read some other comics that we wouldn't normally. And honestly, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I think last week's show was a great show. I'm, I know that's too much, but I, I got done and I was like, that was great. That felt really good. Uh, so let's do that again. <laughs> no pressure. There will be spoilers <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: for books that are no newer than 10 years. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have a lot of guilt about that. But, you know, there's your warning. Connor, you had
2: the pick. There will always be a pick, and this is the pick now. Right. So a month ago, we did the Robin Year One Booksplode, and after that was over, I, I was very excited, and I told Josh, we should do Batgirl Year One, and you were like, eh, I don't know if I want to do the exact same thing, and you were probably right, but when this happened, this being the, the pandemic and the comics industry shutting down, we decided, hey, let's let's actually talk about Batgirl Year One, since now we have time on this regular show to do so. So Batgirl Year One is the pick of the week. Written by Scott Beattie and Chuck Dixon. Art by Marcos Martín and Al- Alvaro López. Colors by Javier Rodríguez. Willie Schubert on letters. And I think it's interesting that Scott Beatty comes first this time, as opposed to in Year One I, where Chuck who, Dixon came first. Who is Scott Beattie? <laughs> he was a guy who wrote with Chuck Dixon back in the, the, the old days. He wasn't always his co-writer, but he often wrote projects with him. It's weird that I don't remember. Is he like the Eric Troutman to Rucka? <laughs> right. He doesn't exist. No,
0: Eric exists. <laughs> <laughs> who was the other one? The one who wrote with Palmiotti? Justin Gray. Yeah, he doesn't exist. Him, I've never met. I've met Eric. I talked to Eric a lot, so that's he's a thing.
2: It could be a bot you're talking to. Yeah, Justin Gray is definitely false. This is the follow-up to Robin Year One in that it it uh, is similar formatted, although it's much longer. This was a nine issue series as opposed to four, and I believe this was nine regular issue sized issues, mm-hmm. and uh, which is about the same size. They came out. I think uh, two years later, I believe I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. It came out sometime later after the success of Robin Year One. Here we follow Barbara Gordon's first year as Batgirl, featuring the art from Marcos Martin, who did a one segment of the Robin book. Now he's doing the entire book, and I don't remember at the time us. Re- I mean, I don't remember loving the art and loving the book, but I remember at the time realizing what we were getting with Marcos Martin, who would later become a, a I'm big, sure big star. Now, Damien, did you read this originally when it was published? Do you remember?
1: no i did not this is my first time actually reading this uh, but i liked it a lot the first thing i noticed for this color is just just vibrant and pop and reminds me of uh chris somany's run on daredevil and mm-hmm. uh black widow the the you know the same colors right the uh, javier rodriguez did colorings for that book i believe yeah yeah the, it's just it's just incredible looking that you know the shadows and the, the facial expressions and the lighting really just just popped off the page i really love this this book yeah
2: yeah, I mean, for, I think from the very first, if you're reading it digitally, or what we're working off of is the deluxe edition, at least Josh and I are, that we got on Comixology. The very first cover was her kicking at the viewer with Batgirl on her sole of her shoe, and it's just a terrific visual image. Yeah. One of the things that we, we figured out with Robin Year One was that this particular style, the Marcos Martinez style, is perfect for these sort of timeless classic Batman tales.
0: Yeah, they're kind of retro, but also kind of not they did they used to do that a lot more, where like you weren't really sure when it existed, you know. It's a little tougher now because you know, smartphones either exist or don't. But they would you know, this what do we call it? Like
2: like neo retro sort of Retro modern. Yeah, there you go. This begins with the famous costume party, which which is what Batgirl's origin was originally. She went to a costume party as a version of Batman and ends up having to uh, stop some criminals. In this case, it's Killer Moth. I don't remember who it was in the original story. I'd have to go look. I've got it on this iPad. I, just, I would just have to look. And ends up becoming Batgirl and finding some meaning in her life. In this story, she is she's the version of Barbara we got in the comics at that time. She was really smart. She was really good with computers. She worked at the library and really desperately wanted to be in the GCPD with her dad, but was too small, too short, not strong enough, at least according to the people in charge. She, and then she tries to join the FBI, she gets the same stiff arm, and then through Batgirl, she finds meaning in her life and purpose. And that's the overall sort of story here. It's a bit more freewheeling than Robin Year One, where Robin Year One was a much tighter particular story. This is more of an overview, I think, of Barbara Gordon, because we get various aspects. Of it. We get an issue about her and Black Canary, which clearly is setting up her later, Birds of Prey. We get an issue about her and Dick Grayson's relationship. We get her training with the Justice Society, which was a lot of fun. I forgot they were in this story. So this is more of a higher view, overview of Batgirl as opposed to The Robin, which was very focused on that one particular.
0: It's almost more like you're on the timeline of the year one.
2: Yeah. Like
0: this is a year in her world. So what was interesting to me is that I was, I wasn't terribly excited to read this, but very quickly I was like, this is super fun. (laughs) And I don't know if that's like, I don't want to read a story about a girl. I don't think that's it. I think it's, I just never really cared about Batgirl that much. Mm-hmm. Although I do like her a lot, so I don't know why that is. The format that you're talking about actually, I don't know, I think it lent itself to sort of this longer, like I was like, well, what's going to happen next? What's, you know, and we got a lot of sort of different views of things and it wasn't as tight and it wasn't as focused, but it was fun to see her with those other characters and stuff in the way that her uh, and Black Canary, which I, it's so hard for me to not say Mockingbird and then vice versa, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I thought that was a lot of fun. And I also liked... And I thought this is very... I'm going to... All right. So Chuck Dixon today is known as... He was always a conservative type of person, but now he's sort of... He's on the far side of what the comics industry would say is acceptable. However, there are a lot of things in this that align fairly closely with feminist thought. If I could say, there's a lot of, like... Why are people saying I can't do this because I'm a girl? Why are people treating me like this? Why? It's almost like I don't know if it's like a libertarian take on it or whatever, but and also it felt and I don't know how much is Chuck Dixon, I don't know how much is Scott Beatty, but it could felt very honest. It felt, you know, justified and interesting and not really anachronistic. Mm -hmm. I found that to be really interesting because. That's a real thing. And they were talking about it, you know, a long time ago when, when people, you know, weren't really paying attention to this kind of having those kinds of voices and things. But I, I thought it worked really well, which I just I just find kind of interesting, you know, how we look at Chuck Dixon now. Yeah. She's not working anymore on, on Marvel DC, you know.
2: Really. You know, this was a character he wrote in the regular series. He wrote Birds of Prey at the time, he, you know, and the acceptance by the male world is is a part of her character. And you know, the one of the overall arcs here is not just acceptance of her Finding a purpose in her life, but also being accepted by Batman and Robin as part of the team. And you know, obviously, Robin right away is interested in her joining for many reasons. But you know, Batman's got to be won over. He doesn't want more partners. But by the end of it, she's on the team. She's she's in in the unit.
0: Let me ask this: How did you how did you look at this? So there's a bit where there's a lot where Robin is telling Barbara that he's doing stuff sort of without getting official approval from Batman. And then a lot of times we see in the background, you know, Batman is is actually part of it and watching over it. So, yeah. was Batman orchestrating
2: all of it? Do you yes. think? Yes, yeah, yes. What I that's yeah. what I came out with. Yeah, Robin's sure. not stealing all those motorcycles without Batman. Knowing. Well, <laughs> I don't know if he's keeping track of all his motorcycles.
0: He's got a. It's Alfred's job, Alfred's logistics. You know, I also really liked how she wasn't like. It was a really nice line of, she is really good at this stuff, but also really stupid. Well, she's new. You know, like she's new. Yeah. no... But, you know, it's really easy to go one way or the other, which is to make her, like, completely incompetent or to make her way too competent. And, you know, by any realistic scale, she's way too competent. But it's it's superhero yeah. comics, so I'm fine with it. I thought the rope thing was really interesting. You know, she's like, all right, here we go. And it's like, you, you've killed yourself.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Was there supposed to be an uh, explanation for, like, you know, Robin was a circus g- uh, gymnast. Was there uh, supposed to be a, a explanation be- behind her acrobatic kind of superhuman abilities?
2: Mm, I had
0: that question. Not, I mean, uh,
2: <laughs> they showed her training, you know, before in the early really? days she's taken judo classes. I mean, it's just, it's sort of this the comics thing where, yeah. you know people can suddenly swing from building rooftops and not worry about it. Okay. You know, why is Matt yeah. Murdock also really good at gymnastics? Just because sure. yeah. he's Daredevil. Desire plus some natural gifts kind of goes. All she's right, she's naturally That's really good. athletic, even though she's like five feet tall and you know, 98 pounds or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked, as opposed to Robin, how this was set in the larger sort of DC world at the time. I loved where there's one scene where Dick Race is eating like cereal on the couch and he's wearing a Starman t-shirt. Mm-hmm. As I said before, she goes to the Justice Society headquarters to get trained, and she meets you know Wildcat, and she, uh, she there's a whole team up with Black Canary. I, I like that this was uh, sort of felt like it was an, in that larger world, mm-hmm. and it, again, much like with Robin, you it made me miss that early 2000s DC, which was which oh, sure. was all of this stuff that was happening, even though this was set in the past. It felt very much of that time.
0: One of the character things I really liked a lot is that a lot of it's from her point of view. So you you have the sort of the she's narration. fooling her. She's fooling her dad, yeah. but there are all these really subtle bits. A lot of times, just in the art, like he's like he's not stupid. He knows what's going on, or he knows that something's going on. And but right. he would. He's Jim Gordon. You know, he's very smart. And I like. I like that. I just thought. That well, he's suspecting
2: nice to-
0: it. Yeah, I know. But he's not. He's not ignorant
2: entirely. He's not like, you know. They pull the classic Batman ga- gambit at the end, where they have Robin dress up as Batgirl to f- to throw him off the scent.
0: <laughs> which is, you know, that's that's something about the character that's funny. He has nice legs. <laughs> He's always had nice legs.
2: Let's talk about the villains here. So he starts off, again, with a sort of the same idea of Robin and in which they she faces off against sort of a, a lame, in terms of the pantheon villain, in terms of in Killer Moth, and she dispatches mm-hmm. him rather easily, which sends him on a sort of psychological spiral because this tiny little girl beat him up, and then he teams up with Firefly, who was a much more chilling version of the character than we'd had in the past, who is clearly an arsonist who enjoys burning women. We need him as he's a, he's a special effects coordinator in a film set and he, his explosion causes the actress to get burned and he quite enjoys that. Uh, this was a nice dichotomy between the kind of silly villain who is really trying to punch above his weight and then the, the really actually legitimately scary one that they're both obsessed with, with getting back girl, And it was, I, I thought the villains were strong, even though we didn't have like a Two-Face level villain here, we had strong C-level guys. Blockbuster makes an appearance, I thought the villains were great, in this.
0: I I didn't like the villains in this as much. I think I could get what the deal was with Killer Moth, that I was okay, but I kind of didn't quite buy it. And then I thought what was everything with the setup for Firefly was kind of interesting. But they, at the beginning, when you int- introduce him, he's like a fire tech guy on yeah. on motion pictures. Uh, there's a word for it. I can't think. Demolitions. I whatever. Special effects person. And it seems like he's very well known and respected. And so therefore that means he probably didn't burn a lot of people prior to that. But then on this he does it, you know, and it's pretty clear like he's not being all that uh, shy about it, you know mm-hmm. what happened. And then that's the end of his career, but like it just kind of happened instantly. I'm not saying they need to explain, but it seemed kind of odd. And then there was the the thing where like I know that they teamed up, but I really couldn't figure out why. Like
2: Cuz they both wanted to get back girl.
0: I guess, but like they just they just didn't seem to have and see I me mean, go together for some reason. Our moss always drawn to a flame. There you go. I'm, I mean, there's your. I, 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 this, that must have been in here, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can't see. So the thing is, like with Robin, you one they were trying to establish Two Face as his villain, which was talked about on that show. But they couldn't. You know who is, who is Barbara's ultimate boogeyman? It's the Joker. But they can't do that story here.
0: They did allude to it at one point. Oh, they, I was of course like, they're going oh, to allude to it. But I, know, like, I know, I, I know, I kind of didn't want them to, but still.
2: But they can't, they can't be like, they can't set up the Joker here. It's too, it would yeah. be too on the nose to do have him be the villain. Oh, I'm fine with that, I agree with
0: it. If, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, I don't want the killing joke to be canon.
2: Well, neither did Alan Moore
0: at the time. No, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, I, I, that's like the thing I, I always... Or DC. It's yeah. one of those things, like, it's too. it's too terrible. Just like... Like a lot of the story, like Identity Crisis, like that's too awful. You don't come back from any of that, really. It's just, it's a really good story. I would read the comic a thousand times over. It's fine, but I don't know.
2: Well, it wasn't meant to be, but it, you know, you know, yeah. there's no reason to get into that. And that's the deal. I mean, that's true. Marcos Martin is wonderful. This book looks terrific. And we, again, and as Damien mentioned, the colors are great in this book. They're great. From Javier Rodriguez. Just like Robin Year One, you know, this is. This is a Bat world that doesn't exist, and it's a bummer. This is sort of Batman, the Batman universe at its peak. This this sort of feeling and this look and feel. Also, Jason Bart can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> just, just go fuck off,
0: fuck off, Jason.
2: I actually I thought this art was stronger than
0: than the Javier Bolito stuff in the other
2: one. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a matter of inches for me. It's taste, you know. Yes,
0: but there was you know there were some technical things in the other one that I didn't think worked very well. This was just you know. Bang! zoom straight through it all the you know the storytelling is super strong and i mean like at first glance it's almost impossible to tell the difference but i just as i went through this i thought it was doing a better job again by inches i think
2: marcus martin does action that's frozen in in a moment really well Mm -hmm, that's true shot very early on where she's leaping over a guy by holding onto his shoulders and her knees are bent is a terrific one panel action shot he's really good at that he's always been really good at that that's why he really excels in characters like batgirl or daredevil people like who are jumping around and kicking things.
0: Damien had you read the um, Robin year one prior to this or
2: i actually just read it
0: right before the show
1: Yeah, and I feel like I, I sort of agree with you that, that this is sort of stronger in in terms of the art. I feel like just the colors pop more. I feel like the colors were sort of more muted in in Robin year one. That's just from fireflies uh, using his his fire and using the light from that I think helps a lot but yeah I think just overall I sort of preferred uh, the this art here.
0: Oh, I mean, overall, they're really two really fun, but yes. like, of a, they're of a piece for sure, but they are different enough from each other. But I think that that serves the characters. Well,
2: they're, they're of a piece in so much that there's a volume you can get that has both two together that DC put out a couple years ago, uh, Robin and Batgirl year one. It's a big oversized hardcover and it's got both editions together in one volume. They read really well as companion pieces. And honestly, you put them together with Batman year one, you have really three really terrific year one stories uh for for the batman world that read really well they feel similar we talked about this with robin your one how the look and feel the design of the characters feels very much like maza kelly influences so it all it all feels of a piece even if they're not even if they were made years and yeah. years apart bruce wayne has that look here too with the heavy eyebrows and the widow's peak hair so there's clearly that that feeling they're carrying across these three volumes but these three together, you know, when I was growing up reading Bronze Age comics, these were the three. You know, as Batman, Dick Grayson, and Barbara Gordon were were a team. So this felt very much like going home for me, which was nice. Yep. Although Jason Bard was never never around. Jerk. <laughs> also, real quick, great sketch material in the back of this of this collection. So if you Yeah, yes, it was. If you want to see yeah. Marcus Martin sort of work out his character designs.
0: God, he's good. I think one of the things that was really impressive about that sketch work is just how good it was from the beginning. Like, there was just like, oh, no, you, you had it. It came out of your head pretty well formed. You know, there's development in it, but it's still oh, just crazy. It's just like you just
2: start drawing. And, oh, there it is. There's your art. Like, there's not. <laughs> He's very good, guys. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but Marcus Martinez is incredibly good. I don't want him to get too full of He's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna neg him
2: That was Back year one, the pick of the week And who knows what Next week will bring That's exciting and terrifying about this whole process Whee! So uh, we weren't Gonna talk about any comics but then Teen Titans Go to Camp number seven came out We talked about six last week and who, You know, why not? And you read all of them So I figured what the hell, I, I downloaded all, all the issues and read them all There was two things I liked about the story The recurring joke about Which you mentioned about Robin being, uh, feeling inferior to to Speedy. And then I also, for some reason, like Mr. Miracle constantly popping up and saying, Who wants to watch me escape from something? And then he just disappears again. I don't know why he keeps doing that, but it's funny.
0: Now, I mean, I like, I I loved the movie that came out and you saw it and you hated it. I hated it. Yeah.
2: Let's, can we, can we, can you explain that to me a little bit? Not (laughs) really. It's just not a style of humor I find funny. Okay. I, I I just don't. And so that was part of the reading this was for the most part it's like yeah, I mean this is not really I found myself looking forward to the in between issues like we talked about last week with the mm-hmm. with the strange art not strange but the unusual art. This issue was drawn as it was the cartoon style.
0: Yeah. I think the comics lose a lot of the transition. Like I think there all the characters are done exactly in the voice. You know, I think Charlie Fish writes for the actual show also. But, you know, I, to me, I think the, the, the voice acting is, is a lot of it and sort of the
2: movement of it. And well, the that's design. what happens with a lot of licensed stuff, and this is not... Yeah, it's
0: weird, like though, because it's licensed from comics and back yeah. and forth. Like, it works, but it, but, it, it does... But I feel like the
2: specific thing about the cartoon, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, because you watch it with your kids, is that it's so, like, sort of fast-paced and high-strung. Very. Extremely. And so you don't really get that on the page. When, you can, when the reader controls the pacing, it's not really the same yeah. thing. doesn't really happen. I mean, you can read it that way, but it's it's just not the same without the yep. uh, the pacing created by the showroom. You know, I think if you like the cartoon, you like this. So, so clearly, Granny Goodness has a plot here. She's yep. trying. she she's in Robin a recruit for her. Um, what is it? D- side's Dog Cavalry.
0: Right. Okay. I was gonna say the Furies. I was like, no, those are ladies. I think one of the things that's funny about it is I like that there is an underlying. Like It's set up with the DC universe, and so there's the jokes for the kids and everything, and there, are, there is just this line of like, oh, nobody's going to get that except for nerds, mm-hmm. like deep DC nerds. And There was a lot of that in the Teen Titans Go! movie, I thought, which I thought was, was funny.
2: I mean, the idea that they are on, at camp on Apocalypse is inherently funny, and it's kind of funny that there's no problem with that. Like, they're just on yeah. Apocalypse going to camp. Yes, that's the line that these kind of books and Franco and Balthazar's books run where it's like it's silly. Like if there's a camp on Apocalypse, they can go to it, even though it's their mortal enemies. Why not? So that's that's fun.
0: And I do think that that's sort of what's that's what's fun about a lot of these for sure.
2: You know what else is silly?
0: Uh, Old men discussing these children's comics (laughs) for this long.
2: (laughs) Damien, do you have thoughts on this book? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it is very silly
1: well the comic itself is silly um i think this passed me by i was a little bit too old for the cartoon
0: well, to be fair so is Josh. So is Josh. for the cartoon yes <laughs> It just um, it's that, fun like, i was with my eight-year-old and it was on one day and i was like oh i've heard of yeah. this and i was watching like, oh it's funny <laughs> yeah
2: yeah <laughs> no i had a good time with this this was very fun i mean i, I didn't dislike it although i did easily skip all the parts where cyborg stings
0: I mean, like, like the thing is that, like, the Franco uh, and, and our Balthasar ones, like, those are a little, those are tougher. Like, those are just clearly just for little kids for the most part.
2: Oh, I don't agree with that at all. Oh. Well, I think those are all-ages books. Well, I've read all of them. So, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And I don't know if we're going to keep talking about it or not. Next week, Batman comes out again. We'll probably talk about that, but I don't know I, if we're going to keep it. I point. I'll read it. I'm going to read it. And then I'll let you know. If, if something major more. happens in the book going forward, but there's really nothing to talk about with this. I mean, it's good. to just like, Bill Sienkiewicz drew this one. Sure. Which maybe will happen in one of those in-between issues. You never know. So let's move on to the patron pick. Patreon.com yep. slash ifanboy is where you <laughs> can go. And if you're a patron, vote to add a book to the rundown if books were coming out. Instead, we have Damian on the show, who is a patron, and he we asked him... Damien, what yes. do you want to talk about on the show? And he told us what he wanted to talk about, and therefore it made it the patron pick by default.
0: Uh, also, don't think that this is going to go to the rest of you. You do not get to pick a graphic novel out for us each week.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Damien, before we get to the pick, let's yeah. talk about yeah. you. So uh, so let's. Well, how are you? Are you all right? Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a loaded question these days, isn't it? Yeah, Boy. I mean, everyone's safe and, ha- and good and good.
1: Yes, yes. No, I'm good. I'm good. Working a lot, many, many hours. A manufacturer of water. People need water these days, I've heard. Wait, so, you can uh, make water? A <laughs> bottle of water. Did we give
2: you that patron power?
1: Yeah, no. Can um, make water. Yep. He, does we he th- figured out fusion. <laughs> <laughs> No, I am. Uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm very, very lucky, you know, in, in terms of having a job right now. So I'm just counting count my blessings is what I'm doing.
0: I, I keep having that same thought over and over every time. I'm like, yeah, and they're like, wait a minute. Could be worse. Yeah. Like, good. Yeah. We're in the house. Yeah.
2: Let's talk about your yes. fandom history. So tell us, you know, sure. when you started reading comics, what some of your yeah. favorite books have been like. what What is your comic book reading history?
1: it's it's not a lot actually I was uh, went to my first um, comic book store probably when I was like nine or 10 so uh, this is gonna uh you know age me a little bit but it was around you You're 65 you know, now I'm 65 years old exactly <laughs> so I was like 15 16 around 2000 so it's it's not a great time for Superman it's not you know I wasn't really a greeny Batman so I actually got into a little bit into spawn mm-hmm I got into those big books of of death those graphic novels big, big book of death big book of uh you know urban legends things like that then I sort of dropped off came back with the new 52 I was reading those for a while, sort of dropped off there. Then just you know, reading Graphic Novel once in a while here and there. So I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm definitely not a weekly guy. But if there's like a like I'm just looking at my trades here. It's it's a lot of like you know dead overruns. Like I said, of uh, Chris Tomine's run, uh, Lock and Key. I read Preacher because Josh recommended it, so I I went through all of that. How'd that go? It's it's very good. It's you know. Not saying. <laughs> I was hoping you would uh, take it to
0: Josh, but I was kind of. I was like, "All right, here we go." <laughs> hot hot, hot take preacher is very good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> can I? Can I ask you? Uh, yeah. Like when you first went into that comic shop when you were a teenager? Yes. yes. What made you go in there? Why did you want to check that out? And what made you sort of pick what you picked? So
1: I, I don't know uh, exactly what, what drew me in there at first. I didn't really know what i was looking for at all really. The stuff that was just on the guy's shelf as far as the single issues you know in the in the bag and boards he had like a spawn uh, one through a 100 so it was like you know 500 dollars or whatever that at that point. so I saved all my money and, and, and picked those out.
2: whoa so yeah you, you bought spawn one through hundred that's true yeah I love that. yeah so
1: yeah so oh, I' so
2: sorry. <laughs> Are you still reading them?
0: I, I, there's so no. many dialogue balloons. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> dropped off a while ago. Basically, but you got to remember, like issues 35 through 80 were mostly just cape.
2: Yes, yes. And I, I'm not gonna knock. I, you know, when I when Spawn first came out, I was an enthusiastic Spawn reader. so see, you're like a trades guy. You you will read yeah stuff that you hear is good. You you will read uh, classic runs or things, but not you're not a guy who yeah. goes every Wednesday morning and gets to comics
1: no I was for a while um I have a few long boxes here but i I just sort of com- I come and go really I, I see like sh- you know sheriff of Babylon. I got those trades when something you know when I find a, uh, a writer like like Tom king i would I would seek out all of his stuff so i'll find I'll find a writer and then I'll go back in through their catalog and sort of sort of um collect their their stuff so that's what I've been doing for the past few years
2: you're like a new wave comic fan so yeah exactly yeah yep yeah. yeah. that's great so how did you decide upon Day Tripper as your patron pick, which is a graphic novel collection of the 10 issue series from Vertigo, written and drawn by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba with colors by Dave Stewart? I'd forgotten about. How did you decide on that?
1: This book just blew me away when I first read it, when it, when it first came out. And a quick funny story I, I bought the book when it came out, and then when I subscribed to the Patreon, to, to you guys' Patreon, um, you you sent out books to people that, that subscribe, right? And then, yep. yep the book that you sent me was day tripper which <laughs> which was awesome <laughs> yeah right but it's a good thing because i now i can loan out the you know, paperback and keep my hardcover that's awesome well, safe and sound yeah
2: this is a series that came out in 2010 yep. in case people haven't read it the question came out a year later if you're someone who's a big fan the absolute edition apparently is coming out this month yeah, oh, nice. it's been Check it's been out. solicited for like a year <laughs> yeah and push back and push back and push back, but it, they claim it's coming out at the end of this month, so we'll find out if that actually happens, which would be great. Yeah. It's like the, saying the schools are going to reopen. Yeah, I mean, the soft <laughs> cover I have is not the best quality. It's, right. it's that thing,
0: uh, at the, I want to say near the end of Vertigo as sort of a real ongoing concern, like years before they actually shut it down, all their trades got newspaper, yeah. you know, like newsprint, yeah. un- uncoated, thin paper, cheap, which... Has a certain aesthetic for sure, but actually, you just read the preacher books and it drove me crazy because the last book is on this newsprint stu-
2: stuff. And I was yeah. like, Really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> really? Nine fucking books and the last <laughs> one you're chipping out on? Yeah. However, I will say yes. that I can know what you're saying, Connor, but it did lend a quality to this that I really liked. Yeah. And I know it's not sort of the most yeah. archival source or something, but if you started reading comics in, you know, around 2000, Damien, you're probably not as familiar with it this is what all comics used to be mm. and so you know we're so used to the fancy shiny paper now but this is yeah. you know this makes me feel like i'm reading something almost timeless more so anyway
1: yeah, so this is just, you know, kind of set it up, but it's vignettes of a man's life through each chapter. It's each chapters of the of the man's life when he's, you know, in his 30s, when he's a kid, as he, as he grows up. This really hit me hard. There's his, his friend, uh, Jorge, Jorge Dos Santos. It is incredibly, it's stunning, the similarities between a friend I had in high school. The, mm. Just the look, the name, everything that went on in his life as far as having uh, mental health issues and things like that. It is stunningly similar. To uh, what my friend went through, so that's something that's always uh, stuck with me so with this, this must, book. This
2: must feel like a very personal work for you. Though. Yeah, it is. One more thing before we get into it: How did you first come across the book? You sent it to him. No, no he already had it. I he had yeah. it first.
1: <laughs> um, I think it was one of those things. I think maybe Jeff Kanata on the on the Totally Red Show mm-hmm. recommended it back then, mm-hmm. so I picked it up because of, on his recommendation.
2: This is a very Jeff Kanata book.
1: It is. It is really. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Josh, I went back and looked, and so somehow of the ten issues, only two were picks of the week.
1: Mm.
0: I think that might be true, but I'm guessing that by the end, we were like, like, okay, because it wasn't a trade, so I don't know. Think like it would have been like book of the month or book of the year or something.
2: But I thought for some reason it would have, but it didn't. It didn't get. Well, I didn't look at the right year. Maybe no, it never got book of the year, which is strange. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think it was, but. Mm. If we were still doing that, and the absolute came out and it's beautiful and it's got tons of stuff and it it would probably be a book of the year for sure or a book of the month at least. Anyway, the point is, it yeah. was twice pick of the week. It probably could have been more, but I'm sure it was one of those situations where we were like, "What else do we have to say about this?"
0: Yeah, which issues do you know?
2: One and eight, I think. Okay. Yeah. That that yeah. And I'll just say so. The, how Josh and I and Ron back then came across State Tripper. I mean, we would have read it anyway, but. You know, back then when I Fanboy was like a going concern, a, a machine, we had a very strong relationship with the VP of publicity at DC, who would occasionally call you know bring us into the office to to chat or whatever. And obviously, as VP of publicity, he was trying to get us to talk about stuff that he was chatting to us about. We're still friends. with him. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying I'm saying he was doing his job really well. Yeah. We went there one time, and he said, oh, there's a book we're coming out with soon. Oh, it's, no, you guys think he gave us two photocopy black and white of the first two issues.
0: I remember that now.
2: Yeah, so we had a bit of a head start on the rest of the world because in the first issue, as Damien said, it opens with the main character, Bras. Is it Bras? Is that how you say his name? I've been wondering it the whole time. I'm sort of... Portuguese is weird. He's a young newspaper columnist. He writes the the obituary section. His dad's a famous writer. He's going to a gala show that's... Uh, You know, going to honor his father, and then he goes to buy cigarettes at at a bar near the near the venue, and there's a robbery, and he gets shot and killed, and that's how the issue ends. And and the thing is, because we had the first two issues, we knew the gag. We knew that in the second issue, Braz is back, and he dies again, this time as 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 a younger man. And so we had we had a bit of a head start into the conceit of the book. That's how we got introduced to Day Tripper was through uh these black and white previews that DC gave us. You know, Fabian Moon and Gabriel Ba are immense talents. Yes. They had done Umbrella Academy before this. Yeah, I think right? so.
0: Because that's we knew them by now.
2: First of all, <laughs> thanks for making me read a book about death over and over again during this yeah. very stressful time. That was yeah, a little that was I was like, oh man, this is real heavy for right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a good comic. And one thing I was struck by when I got to the end, especially the final chapter, which is just, you know, beautiful, is how much insight into humanity these two guys have who are relatively young. I mean, especially at the time. They were thirty
0: two, three when it came out, which means they were much younger when it started. I had the exact same thought. I was like, Jesus, how do you have a perspective of an eighty year old man? Or just, mm-hmm. just
2: Woman. such an insight into humanity and life mm-hmm. yeah. and what it means to to go through this. And one of the things I want to talk about is what we think it all means. Because as Damien said, and we just uh, is each chapter is a chapter of Brass's life, and that he dies at the end of. And sometimes he dies at thirty eight, sometimes he dies at twenty eight, sometimes he dies at seventy two, and sometimes he dies at forty five. Like he, it's a different point of his life. And yet the story of the life sort of continues. So like one, In one issue, he dies the day his wife gives birth to their son. And in the next chapter, he's a little bit older. They, they had the son, but he's still alive and he dies later. And so it's like the, the life around him sort of continues as he pops in and out. And it's not a story about him, him reincarnating. It's just he's always been alive and he dies again. It's very metaphysical.
0: You're right. The story does continue going.
2: Like the things that happen in those stories happen in other stories too. Like his father dying happens. Well, yeah, and he, he meets the
0: girl you know, in the bakery and that becomes his wife after he breaks up with the first girl who he met, you know, on vacation with Jorge and like that continuity is the same for all of them. And I think that one of the things that makes that interesting is that you would think that based on the premise of this, that the characterization might not be as strong. But in fact, because of having to watch all the characters go through these traumas, you really do get to know them extremely well, if not better. Mm hmm. I mean, I guess you don't watch because he dies at the end of the issues. But either way, you know, the, there's stress that sort of leads up to all those things. And we I mean, it is a character piece. It's incredibly strong, I think. Not just Bross, but his mother and his father and, you know, his then later his son and his wife and his, you know, and Jorge, for example. Yeah, it's a hell of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've read this
1: every year and I finally sort of
0: found something where
1: I could maybe find a common theme, a common thread running throughout all of the chapters. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's finding balance in life. Because if you notice, whenever he dies, the first time when he dies after meeting the girl and he sort of puts everything, he puts his life on hold to pursue the girl, then he dies there. He puts his life on hold to pursue his friend who was, who's was who gone missing. He puts his life on hold. The One of the chapters that hits me the hardest it always is when he's not in the chapter at all, right? Right. He's on he's on a work trip and he dies. Yep. So you can say he's putting his career first there almost every time he's pursuing one aspect of his life over another. So I really think that is a theme that they're exploring here is you have to have balance in, in all of your areas of your life or it's, you're not going to find contentment or happiness or whatever.
2: That is a great observation.
0: I think you're absolutely there. And yeah. no, and, and that, that that is a thing I was thinking about the whole time, because this really is the. I mean, I, I, it's very, I don't know. I mean, if you read anything, it's hard to not see yourself in it, but there's a lot of stuff that was going on here that I can a thousand percent relate to. And it's like, well, there's your work and then there's your kids. And then there's what you wanted to be as opposed to the job you have. There's your wife, there's your loves. Did I miss something in life? Should I be out there? Should I go more like Jorge? These are all thoughts that I have concretely had in my life and you make choices and then you look, Oh, I'm middle-aged and I'm doing, you know, and it's, it's, it's very poignant in that way. And again, when I was saying earlier, like they were young to have that kind of perspective, but you know, you're, you're talking about human nature. And I'm talking about just literally these thoughts that go through a person's mind as they age, as they go throughout their lives. I thought, you know, I, I'm 10 years older now and it had a whole different effect on me than it had the first time. So just cause I'm getting to it. Thank you so much for making me read this again. I'm not kidding. No, like welcome. I, I finished yeah. it and I, and I was like, holy shit. I'm gonna tell you, there was twice I was reading it. Uh, I was I think it was like late Wednesday night, and I was it was about twelve thirty, maybe one am. and I was like, I should probably read some of this, but I'll just <laughs> read the first one to get started. And I read like six issues, yeah, you know, and I was yeah. like, I can keep my eyes open, but I couldn't put it down, and I forgot, you know, I haven't had that feeling in a really long time to be
2: honest. yeah. I tried to space it out on purpose because yeah, this was a much much like I forgot the other book we always talk about that was very issue focused where like each issue was is, is basically its own story even though there's an overarching sort of thing happening in the background. So the time between issues was sort of part of the storytelling, I think. Because
0: I think you're not wrong in
2: its construction,
0: but I think for me it was all a piece and it seemed like it was different chapters but it wasn't so by reading them all together i felt like i got more out of it last time than i did the last time because i was seeing threads that connected that i probably hadn't noticed before
2: sure and i'm talking about waiting yeah you know 12 hours between chapters not 30 days but yeah. it's almost like you want to stop and think about what you just read for a little while yes and before you move on to the next bit these guys have become sort of i don't say indie darlings cuz it's not even enough for what they are. But they're at the point now when they put a book out, it, it's an event. Yeah, They work what rarely. Book? They work outside of, quote, unquote, outside the system. You know, they don't do a lot of mainstream stuff. They occasionally do some stuff with image with people they like, but for the most part, they just sort of do their own projects. And every year at Comic-Con, when Comic-Con was still a thing, you know, you go for 10 years, I stopped going to panels because they're mostly annoying, but every year I would go to their panel, which they usually did on Sunday, in which they just talked about art, like what art inspired them, what they like, it was very moving. And I'd always find books to read coming out of it. I always go back to the floor and go over to like Top Shelf or somebody and buy a bunch of books that they talked about. Because they, they think and feel very deeply about comics as a medium that's more than just Batman, and which I love as well. But they're very different kind of comic book makers. And they're, they're v- very valuable to the industry in that way.
0: I mean, in terms of art, there's nothing like this, I don't think. I feel sort of European, but they're yeah. Brazilian or whatever. Yeah, But characterization is really great. In the sense that, like Braz, you see him through all throughout his life, and you can always tell it's him; it's the yep. same guy. Uh, their ability to sort of move those characters along, or his his uh, wife, same thing from the time you meet her. And and let's let's not let's not. They draw beautiful women, and I don't mean like sexy crazy women, <laughs> although the first one is or whatever. But like when he meets his, he sees the girl across the, uh, uh, the bakery. you know in the bakery. And he's like, there was just something about her hair, and I was like, you're right, there is something about her hair. And as she got older, like that was always there, even though parts of it were longer. But you could always recognize the thing. And like, and I mean, I think it works the same with men. Like they, you know, they just they draw beautiful people, and not just like, not to say like like sexy like like Greg Land beautiful people, right? Just interesting and beautiful looking humans. And yep. I know that that sounds super wishy washy, but that really is a thing. And then there was there was a couple of pages where the storytelling was beyond amazing. Like, there's one, and I think it's when they're on vacation, uh, Jorge and Braz are sitting on the beach, and I couldn't find it in here if I wanted to, and it's nighttime, the moon's up, and the panel just sort of swoops um, from upper left to to sort of lower right, and everything that they're looking at is in line, and I thought, that is... Page 50. Yeah. Master level shit. I'm not even exaggerating. I just like, that is everything that a comic book page and panel is supposed to do, and it was so smooth and effortless and flowing you know and it's the opposite of when i you know people know when i bitch about left-hand panel stacking or something like that or confused like this was just flawless and sublime now second part of my story yesterday i was uh, catching up the middle of the day i was my son was was sitting at my six-year-old son was sitting across me on the couch and he's watching you know some bullshit and i'm reading and i got to the i got to the issue about uh jorge when he goes back Mm -hmm. i didn't get choked up i started crying like, and, and granted, yeah. there's a lot of shit going on. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, it's not bully them, but like, and he looks over at me and I'm like, I'm okay. This story is just very, very, you know, and he's like, oh, whatever.
2: <laughs>
0: and then it yeah. happened again. I think yeah, maybe the last issue, not the dream issue, everything yeah. other than the dream issue, which was fine. But there was another bit, it might've been like with his dad and the stuff. And I, like, and i cannot remember the last time a comic book did that i've gotten choked up i've done like whatever but i was like weeping and i was like holy shit so like i it finished and I, I showed my wife the book i'm like you need to read this and she's like what yes. I go i'm not i i i haven't said this to you in forever but man like it just it it gave me many feelings i was like why do i not think this is the best book ever
2: what comes out of this is the reiteration that this is one of the best books that's been made in the modern era Oh yeah. For sure. If we ever did that kind of ranking where what what are the best books in the time we've been doing the show since two thousand no two thousand and five or iFanboy since two thousand, this is on the list.
0: For sure. I mean one of the one of the things is in the normal churn of events, we are going through books, you know, left and right and we can look back and oh that was pretty good. That was we don't often go back and read things again. And the things that you love or the things that you kind of even forget about when you do and they're really good, like they get better. I mean, Watchmen works like that or, or preacher for me you know like this is you know i went i went back and read it and i was like i can't believe i, I remembered it was good but I, I i didn't remember that it was that good
2: mm-hmm. yeah so again look, what josh said thanks for doing this because yeah. i i haven't read this in a while yeah we're big fans of the, of their work in this house where's the next thing like i looked i was like <laughs> what have they done since then it's nothing right. no they did two brothers came out last year the year yeah. before they've done they've been doing work uh they did, they their, did you know, that um not pod- a book yeah,
1: Yeah, How to Talk to Girls at Parties, right?
2: Yeah, that one. They do OGNs, basically, They come out every few years. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I need more. They're incredible artists, and this is an incredible book, so <laughs> Day Tripper. You
0: know I like that yeah. you don't know who does what.
2: <laughs> I, I just forget who is who, but there's there's definitely, you know, the twin. There's, the, there's the more cartoony style guy. He does the um, Umbrella Academy stuff. His work is sort of towards the end mm-hmm. with the kid, that chapter, mm-hmm. when, with the flood and the dream. That's all the other guy. Oh okay. But they're very similar. They're very similar. Yeah. So yeah. that's the day tripper, that's the patron pick. Ratings. S- ratings. I think we're all gonna get five. five stars out of five.
1: Yeah. Five, yep. Absolutely. Sticking with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I well no, because I was like, oh, there's an absolute. I should probably get that.
2: <laughs> I've bought an absolute in a decade. <laughs> yeah. I I think that's one to get. Sure. I mean I mean think about it. So there you go. Thanks, Damien. That was a really You're, terrific pick. Yeah and uh, You're welcome. We wouldn't have read the it the best probably,
0: part again. was connor's like do you have it and i was like i don't know
2: <laughs> And i looked and i did and i was very excited And then we had the issues <laughs> i just remember I mean, those were long gone all right so as we talked about patreon.com slash ifanboy that's where you can go and you can vote to add a book to the rundown although i don't know that we're going to keep doing that for the foreseeable future because there are no real books to add to the rundown figure out a way to do it we will <laughs> if you give it the five dollar higher level you get your own superpower live on the show damien what power did we give you you gave me the ability to be in two places at once. Oh, man. Wow. That's a good one. That's, that's a really good, good one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. So let's thank this week's patrons, Josh.
0: And the first up this week is Peter Craig, who has two first names. Peter, hey, so does Damian Sherman. <laughs> Peter has the ability to instantly eyeball and count the number of things that he's looking at. So, like, he's... so if. That jelly bar, that like big jar of jelly beans. He's Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. Yeah, he wins it every time. Yeah. Oh, is that a thing? I've
2: yeah. never seen that movie. Autism.
0: I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen Rain Man? Uh, no. No, it wouldn't have been something I'd have wanted to watch.
2: Interesting. You won like
0: five. No, Oscars. I maybe have once since then, but you know, it wasn't a thing. Yeah, but he, he can count things. How many cars on this lot? 48. How many, how many uh, holes are left in this pegboard? Uh, Is he
2: counting them, or does he just know the answer?
0: He's counting them, but at such a rapid rate, he doesn't even recognize that he's counting them. He just sees, he just sees the number. It's there. Can he count grains of sand? Ooh, it's a good point. I mean, there must be
2: a limit. Ask me something visually he can see. Like, he can't see all the grains of sand, but he can see all the cards That's, on the line. Yeah, Yes, you have to,
0: yeah, visualize it in a single... Okay. So, like, grains of sand on a beach, you'd have to be, like, between here and here. Like, but he could pick them of...
2: up in a, in his hand and say, how many grains of sand am I holding? Sure, sure. And also,
0: like, so if you got the jelly bean thing, you can't necessarily see all the jelly beans, but you do know how much volume
2: is in there and right. the things.
0: He can figure that stuff out. I see. Also.
2: Alex Davis is always warm. Go on. It just never gets cold. You know? But he's not like like he doesn't always have a fever. No, no, he just he doesn't get cold. I and mean, he's not radiating heat. He's not like a furnace. He's just he doesn't get the cold. My ten year old's like that. He doesn't need to be wearing like three layers of clothing in there. The actually,
0: actually, most men in New Hampshire are like that. <laughs> what? 35 out, shorts and flip flops. I saw exactly. a guy today. It was it was forty, and there was a dude outside in shorts and a t-shirt, and he looked like he really regretted it, and it made me so happy.
2: <laughs> well, if you recall, Josh, in college, in you know, in the very cold area, we we went to college, and if it was fifty degrees, people were out in shorts and, you know, sunbathing. They didn't really appreciate the
0: ability to wear a sweater and pants because you can't wear a nice boot if you're wearing athletic shorts.
2: I mean, you no, but I I went out. I recall I was one of those college guys who you know went out with regular shorts my snow boots when it's when it was snowing
0: well we make mistakes when we're young sure
2: (laughs) I also much like Alex Davis I was always warm and healthy and nothing hurt anyway enough about being 18 (laughs) so Alex Davis is always warm he never gets cold he's always just very comfortable and warm not hot not cold just warm
0: can I insert my idea from my new segment here sure Uh, this new segment is called what hurts (laughs) <laughs> A lot of things. So, so, Connor, you just need to pick something. We'll come back to it next week. Just, I'll put this randomly in the show. Connor, what hurts?
2: Right now? Yeah. I've been getting weird pain inside of my knee.
0: <laughs> I'm not laughing at your pain. I just know that this will be different every week, and I'm so excited. Yeah.
2: <laughs> inside of the knee. So, like on stairs and such? I feel like it's. No, I just. I think it's. I think I probably strained my meniscus.
0: Ooh, you don't want that. No. But the bone on the outside of your foot, the I don't remember which one, like the big long one that goes from the ankle forward Mm -hmm. on on my right foot, has been sore for weeks. I have no idea why. And I want it to stop. Not horrible. Like I can get on with it, but I'll stand up and go, ow. Okay. I just deal with it. Hey, Damien, what hurts? Yes. Well, geez. I worked 80 hours this week, so everything. (laughs) I'm sorry, but this segment does not work in that way. Pick one. (laughs) Pick one. Um, A blister
1: on my big toe.
0: Ow! Yeah. At least you know that one has an end.
2: Yeah. There's a way to make that stop. Yeah.
0: There's other ones. There's other because sometimes what hurts the answer is uh, you. Oh, and it's it's probably never going away. This is just how it is now.
2: All right. So sorry, I, I interrupted that. So now Damien has requested to turn the tables. Damien, take it away.
1: Yeah, so I have a one power for you, one of you, which is useful now. One power is going to be useful. Let's say six months, a year from now. Connor, yep. anytime you sit down to watch Netflix, Hulu, or whatever, whatever you tra- whatever comes on, you in your heart, in your heart's heart, in your subconscious, it's what you wanted to watch. Whoa! Wow! You don't have to flip through, browse oh. anything. It's it's just there.
2: I was hoping you were going to say that whenever I sit down to watch those things, my password works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Connor, write that down. <laughs> That's also good. Th- this is That's AOE. Like this is people. Area Effect.
1: Okay. This is Area Effect. So anybody in the room, you turn on Netflix, whatever comes on, everybody agrees. That's great. Yes, oh, we we'll wow. watch
0: that. That's a, a merit saver right there.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Josh, so when we're allowed to go out again and exchange goods for services with actual people. If somebody at a Walmart, let's say, asked you for, sir, can I have your phone number? Can I have your email? Would you like to sign up for this? When you, if you say no to this Walmart person, every other Walmart remembers that. It's like a little check mark that you just oh. did. Every other Walmart will never ask you for your information ever again. I just, relief just washed over
0: me. <laughs> let, me let me ask you this. What about for yeah. like, web? does it go with websites? Yes. Like, what about just, phone uh, calls? Uh, Phone calls. Yep. Yep. Whatever company they work for. That's great because there's this guy who used to have my phone number, and every every six (laughs) six months or so they call Brian looking for his uh, his money. Brian Newcomb, you just fucking pay these people. (laughs) One of these times, I want to ask what it is he owes, like because if it's like fifty bucks,
2: I'd pay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I might just (laughs) to make it stop. All right. Well, thank you, you, Damien. Those are good powers. I was thinking about that for about a month. So, well, that's all right.
0: Well, we don't always get as much time as we want.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go sign up at the $5 higher level. You can get your own patron powers. And even though the script says Damien's going to do the ad read, it's not Damien, Josh. That makes more sense. Yes. Get
0: over to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Big news, guys. This is not even uh, on the heels of the eccentric benefactor. We have hit our next stretch goal.
2: Yes. On the dot. Damien returned to his normal level. And we still hit the stretch goal. We had a lot of new patrons in the last couple of weeks. We thank you. I don't know if it's because everyone's home and needs entertainment, but we've been shocked and humbled and a, a little appalled. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. A- <laughs> so thanks. We're, as Josh said, we're we're on the knife's edge. We're exactly at the stretch goal. So somebody drops out, we're no longer the stretch goal. Get a couple more patrons. Get comfortably above the stretch goal. As of now, we are proceeding a pace
0: yep. with the promises that we've made for that. So that means uh, a regular monthly uh, all-media show, uh, which we will have to schedule in addition to the other regular shows that we forget to schedule. We will get on that, and then uh, we will begin uploading our, our vast archive of video shows. Uh, a to few you at a time
2: because it takes a while. Uh, at a
0: com- at a comfortable rate. Yeah. I, I think let's well, we have to be realistic about that, but uh, it will proceed a pace for sure and again i said this last week but I, I can't reiterate it enough thank you uh everybody i mean like it you're you're helping uh, um, probably more than you know yeah especially now because everything is sh- so unsure and weird it is uh it, it makes a real difference to our lives you know we love doing this and i can't tell you we would stop for anything in the world but you're really making it so we can't stop and that's good for all of us i think I think you can go over to uh, our Threadless store at ifanboy.threadless.com and you will find seven, no, eight, eight designs. We did, in fact, add that, that mysterious eighth design. We would like you to stay home and read comics. That's all. We would like you to do that. And then a little thing about that eighth design, All uh, a portion of all those sales uh, are going to go to comic stores in need. We haven't quite worked that out because there is no sort of central factor for that, but we already know, you know several stores that we like.
2: There's no general fund, yeah. but we're going to figure it out. There's no Heroes Initiative. Yeah, once we get the sales in, we'll figure it yep. out. It's already our second most popular design. That's just in about a week, so thank you for that.
0: Well, what's great about that is that it was like a 24-hour thing. Like for, I'm going to say a year and a half. We've been like, we're going to have another one up there. And then we were like this. We we're like, yes, put it up. And it was, it was going really soon. So thanks to everybody who picked that stuff up. You can buy other, not just shirts, other items. There's, there's a mug. There's magnets. There's stuff like that to get for those things. And all the other shirts are still there. It, again, Nothing makes sense, nothing matters. as true now as it ever was. <laughs> we don't ever stop thinking about it for sure, but we don't want to put anything out just because we want to put something out. We want it to be good. Uh, and then over at Threadless, also all of the merch is on sale until April 15th. So that, you got
2: a little time there. Yeah, so yeah, if you're thinking about picking anything up, this is the time to do it. Everything is on sale for the next couple of days. So get on it. If you don't want to deal with any of that rigmarole, and,
0: you know, I'm not holding it against anybody who does. Everybody who does, great. If you can't, that's fine. You're all welcome, whatever. But if you just want to go over to com slash support, there's a button for a direct donation three PayPal one time. Which someone
2: yeah. just did recently, and I don't want to make you feel bad, Damien, but they were almost at the eccentric benefactor level, and it was shocking. Wow.
0: Yeah, well, like, we had to check it. Like, is this right? <laughs> so, you know, jeez. I do mean, appreciate it. Honor said humbling, and it's like, that's beautiful. And then finally, uh, if, if, you've, if you've got a few weeks to wait, you can go to ifambo.com slash Amazon. No, I'm 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 kidding. Go to com slash Amazon, and you will find links to buy all the books that we just talked about. You will find a link for uh, the book that we just spoke about now, for example, on the post for this uh, – both of them, actually. And a general link to Amazon there if you're buying supplies, if you, if you think you can get toilet paper through them.
2: I found some there. My local liquor store has tons of toilet paper. No shit. I found that out the other day when I went to go buy vodka. Hmm. I was like, oh shit. You guys got toilet paper. Did you like (laughs) buy one like one tiny thing of vodka and then no, because I I mean I was, you know, I bought a lot of toilet paper back in the early days of this. So I'm good, but like I was like, oh shit. So if there's a problem, I know where to go. Dry goods. Yeah. I just bought a bottle of vodka. So that's that. Again,
0: thank you everyone for for being a part of that. Thank you, Damien, for sure. Uh, Let's move along to our new corner, GI Joe Corner.
2: G.I. Joe Corner. Now, Damien, we gave you the yes. info on this. How, yep. Did you, I assume you watched this episode. I did watch this episode. Did you watch the previous yep. episode? I did not. Well, that's okay. It gave you a helpful r- little <laughs> recap. You have Any experience with G.I. Joe? Because you're
0: a little younger, so maybe yes. that wasn't a thing for you. Are you familiar right,
1: with it? No. Not not really. I'm a familiar with the memes and the viral videos huh. that uh, the PSAs that they, they uh they spoofed in the mid two thousands. I don't know if you're aware of memes, Josh. I don't know what <laughs> you, you know what memes are. Oh I, I see. We're at that point of the show. I don't know the
0: I don't Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> so no. if, well let me let me ask you this then. Yes. So sure. what we find is that when we talk about it on the show, we are under the impression that people really like it when we talk about it. But then there's a person like yourself who doesn't know what yep. the hell we're talking about. So are you normally do you skip that part or do you, do you No, I, I roll through all of it. I'm and I'm vastly interested in this
1: vintage cartoon called G.I. Joe.
0: Okay. You don't have to say that. <laughs> you <don't> need <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, Connor, I'm just saying about-
1: yeah, I'm just saying, uh, X Men of the 90s was, you know, the, that's what I grew up with. So Yeah,
2: so <laughs> yeah. he's of that age where, where people slightly younger than us were super into X Men, which we were not. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it was a bad cartoon. Anyway, uh, G.I. Joe, a real American hero. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a little poke at everybody. It was a little younger than me uh, because their knees don't hurt. This episode is called Slave of the Cobra Master, The Mass Device Part 2, which originally aired September 13th, 1983, the day after last week's episode because these aired Monday through Friday. And again, directed by Dan Thompson, written by Rob, Ron Friedman, who also produced it with Marvel Productions, because again, Marvel was hired to create the story of the toys. And that's how you got the cartoon and the comics. So with part two, Duke has been kidnapped at the end of the last episode. He went to grab the Baroness from escaping, and he ended up being transported to Cobra's headquarters, where he was put to the slave pits to fight for the, the amusement of Cobra's mini, mini soldiers. That's how it ended. That was a cliffhanger. And so here we have... Duke's a thrilling escape from Cobra, while the Joes go to form their own mass device. They they send the first mission out into the Arctic to find the rare mineral, radioactive mineral, they need to run the mass device. And that's basically what happens in this episode. Josh, thoughts?
0: A lot happened, but it moved very slowly and was over quickly. (laughs) Interesting. The first thing I picture is the very clunky cave robot battle and i just thought i remember that toy that was not a good toy
2: those robots functioned like every device i own it's a good idea and looks good but when they actually have to do what they're supposed to do they don't actually quite do what you want them to do yeah but just not quite there not a real threat yeah
0: to the joes as far as i could tell things i enjoyed uh, snow job has an a plus accent uh, <laughs> yes. straight yes. out of Dochester he's from vermont the character
2: so i don't know where they were going with the accent but
0: i then he must have been born there and spent some time in Southie, and then <laughs> moved back up because i mean well as we Mark, know the
2: cartoon accents didn't match up the character bios Destro no. does not speak in a scottish accent yeah that's where he was from
0: and i'm like it, 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 he should be the hero of everything snow job he's good looking he's got a big manly red beard uh you know he's hanging out with with scarlet you know i think that accent cost him a lot of the. you know Probably advancement in the military. And then finally, I thought it was actually not finally, I have two bits. And you can comment on the last or either. The gliders, Mm -hmm. it was a glider chase. And I don't think that works that way. (laughs) But two, that was the best commercial with the gliders where they also had a chase. And I had the gliders. And I really wish they worked as well as they said they did. But uh, those were rad. I remember wanting that toy real bad and then getting one and then like breaking it very quickly.
2: I didn't have the glider. There's a lot going on in this episode. One, you really start to dig into the leadership problem that Cobra has between Destro and Cobra Commander, in which who is actually the guy in charge here? Because it's supposed to be Cobra Commander, but Destro seems to be the one running things and doing it better than Cobra Commander. So this is the seeds now you have for future conflict at the top of the organizational chart.
0: <laughs> Cobra Commander, by the way, who really leans on the hissing a lot now, which he left later, which is like
2: like uh like Princess Leia's English accent at the beginning of Star Wars. I will say Act one Destro calling Cobra Commander Reptilian Papin was a terrific um I made yep. Tr- terrific dig made a note of that. And they had to go have a strategy meeting once they found out that the Dejos Joes were countering their strategy, so they had to go have a meeting around a board table with probably really bad PowerPoint.
0: Is the castle inside a cave? Yes. Okay. It's not just surrounded by cliffs and such. No, I don't think so. That's a remarkable engineering feat any way you slice it. you got to give them credit.
2: Well, we talked about it last time. They really spent way too much money on infrastructure when they could have been using that sure. towards weapons and things that would have actually... Look how big that slave pit arena was. Oh, yeah. And it was like... who are. <gasps> 100,000 soldiers watching that that right so they got all those they
0: need supply lines they need food plumbing i right. mean it's not it's not nothing here's the thing i suspect the animators know very little about how tanks and tank treads work <laughs> he drops in the hiss tank out of nowhere which is good for him then it burns out tanks really not good at burning out jumps lands with no apparent suspension didn't kill duke
2: well, those his tanks in the last week's episode, one shot, they blew up. So mm-hmm. they're not very well made. They're okay with blunt
0: force inthrax on the bottom, apparently. They
2: spend all their engineering time and energy on the bottom. Did you ever have a toy hiss tank? No, I had the Joe tank. The Mobat. And I had the motorcycle that Stalker drives in the last episode with the mm-hmm. Gatling gun attached to yep. the side. Yep, I had that. That was So the, the Hiss one. Tank
0: was was front heavy. Hmm.
2: And the toy would continually fall forward. <laughs> so it worked perfectly, then, because that's what happens basically in the cartoon. Yeah. Also, not understanding tank physics is not understanding how radiation works. <laughs> so the best sequence is when the, the mission, they go out into the Arctic to get the, radi- to get the radioactive uh, material, and Snow Job is sort of leading that with Scarlet. I liked how they talk about how cold it was and how... It was too cold even for snow job, and then Scarlet very dramatically removes her jacket for the mission, hmm. as if it's not cold anymore. And then they go in, and they're like, they're not in any kind of protective gear because they're they're going to go gather radioactive materials. And then Snake Eyes is left to sort of die like Spock in the Rheticon. He's just glowing red, and I feel like even though Chernobyl hadn't happened yet, we probably still knew radiation was bad. You know, maybe it was like smoking. They just <laughs> thought he's got a red glow, but he's fine. It's a healthy red glow. <laughs>
0: It's like a tan. Snake Eyes kind of started coming to come into his own in this. This he episode, got more to though. do. He definitely got more to do. He took yeah. out the robots. He had a feeling. Yeah. it would like scar. I think Scarlet referred to him
2: sort of like he was a dog. Like Sixth sense. Oh, Snake Eyes senses something is wrong. Tripwire <laughs> used his universal scanner, which is not just for minds, I guess. He was oh no no life forms. He's got like a tricorder attached to that that stick. <laughs> Joes we were introduced to in this episode: Doc, Cover Girl. Tripwire, snow job, and I figured out from the last week when we couldn't figure out who that blonde Joe was, that's Steeler. Oh, okay. Steeler came in the Mobad, I believe. Yeah, he was the tank driver early on. I noticed that rock and roll had a healthy tan. <laughs> so, my question for to, to end the conversation is if you're Scarlet, how pissed off are you? If you're nominally Duke's love interest, and he gets saved by the Joes, and he gets awoken, and the first thing he says is, stalker! When she's standing next to him, and then they ask him what he remembers. He says, "I remember a face, a beautiful face." I mean, you get—you're done at this point, right? She was foreign, <laughs> so
0: so that automatically... Why didn't she yeah. just leave? I mean, she, I mean, like here's the deal. I think she wants this job. I think she knows that she's probably more competent. than No, no, than he
2: Selena, is. the 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 slave who's helped st- Duke escape, she had the way out. Oh, I thought we were talking about Scarlet. I,
0: I mean, I feel like she's caring for the other people, like yes. the big brute. Like she needs to be there for them, or if. Someone else gets in there that she's got to show them how to put a Band-Aid under the thing, and then she'll be fine.
2: Scarlet's clearly the most competent G.I. Joe. We know that in the cartoon. She's clearly the one that does all the work and gets another credit. Damien, what are your thoughts on this cartoon, you never watched it as a child?
1: <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Uh, so Cobra Commander is a totalitarian tyrant making demands of world leaders, making unrealistic demands. Um, yeah. That's not realistic at all. Well, he's an idiot. I don't think.
2: It's important to know <laughs> if a Cobra Commander is an idiot. Right,
1: right, right.
2: But not as dumb as the world leaders who all gather together knowing he has a device that can transport them away so that they, they can then be kidnapped.
0: On a small right. deserted island. But let's, yeah. not, let's not overlook the fact that he got the leaders of the United States and the Soviet Union on a small unprotected island. That's not nothing, Cobra Commander. Also, Command. <laughs> in, in the middle of the Cold War.
2: They transport the entire Soviet army to their slave pit, including their weapons and tanks and missiles, and they just give up. They just play their guns it? down and say, yeah, <laughs> it's warm here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fair enough. So, Damien, did you enjoy it? Your experience with watching? Yeah, I'll stick with it. Slave of the Cobra Definitely. Master? <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a, a four to five. I'll sticking with it. Well, I mean, really on part two. I'm bummed they don't have the PSAs, which is yeah. a yeah, huge yeah. part of it. And how the, whole, the show yeah. got its educational qualification. but. You, Josh is correct. It's only part two of five, so they did five-part arcs, which was kind of revolutionary for cartoons at the time, where yes. you had a five-part miniseries every week, basically uh, every day after school. So you, we're by no means near. You know, they've got to get the two other ingredients to make the mass device, and then they have to defeat Cobra.
0: The thing is, we frequently refer to uh, the comics where they have to go gather pieces of something as the broadcast energy transmitter yeah. uh, But the, the thing is, the mass device came first. That's true. Which is interesting.
2: Well, I think the cartoon is a little bit better by then. You had Tomax yeah. and Zayma and Spirit and you had a bunch of other characters. They had to get the
0: pointy thing. Yeah. And they had to get the <laughs> round thing. Right, and the
2: square one. And, then, on the, and the
0: square thing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this, they got to get the green stuff, the, blue. the red water, yeah. and the blue stuff. And I think there's at least one more. I think they do this with Serpentor.
2: Yeah, I they like it. It's a good, good it's a good gag. They need yeah. to transport Snake Eyes into Cobra's headquarters and just have them walk around, and eventually they'll just get cancer. That's a good point. That's all they need to do. Good point. All right, so that's G.I. Joe Corner. We'll be back tomorrow. Not tomorrow. <laughs> that's unfortunate. No. We'll be back no. next week for part three of the mass device. Stay tuned. I do like the bumpers that are – every- <laughs> they kept the bumpers in, but they didn't keep the PSAs in. Oh, one last thing. I really like the sound effect that they use for when people fall down. It's the same sound effect every time, and it's just a great classic cartoon sound effect.
0: Now I'm going to have to go back and, yeah. and listen to it.
2: Let's do some audience questions, even though we're long. Let's do a question from Ethan Jay, who says, I've been thinking about this for the past four hours. I know that may not seem like a lot, but I figure we're all aging a year every week right now, so that's the equivalent of almost nine days. True. My teenager doesn't get why I love Captain America. Her only exposure to him is the movies, which we love, and Winter Soldiers are favorite, but that she sees Cap as boring... And interesting, next to Downey's Iron Man, what can I give her to read that will show her how great he is, the essence of Cap? She reads a lot of comics, mostly for the writing, and her faves are The Wicked and the Divine, Ultimate Spider-Man, Fraction and Hawkeye, Sandman, and Hickman's X-Men. P.S. Don't say Kirby. There's no way she's going to get through that. P.S.S. She hasn't read Brewbreaker and maybe that's the answer, but I feel like she already knows that story of Bucky, and I only have that one shot to get this right. E- Ethan, I'm going <laughs> I'm, I'm to go ahead on the limb here as
0: so I... I think you need to give this one up (laughs) because, you know, just because you like a thing, I'm making a lot of assumptions here. But if you're going to show your daughter the Avengers movie where he's charming and funny and and good looking and she doesn't like that. Right. I don't think you have much of a shot. Can you think of a better story? No, I mean, there's
2: great comics, but you're right. I mean, uh, the, the pinnacle of cap love is the movies for a lot of I mean you know yeah who's better than chris evans is cap no one
0: uninteresting next to Downey's iron man that dude just keeps getting creepier and creepier in every movie like he's tweaking on something (laughs) he's he's not okay like but he's funny and charming he is i mean sort of in that way like but if you were like in a car with him for a long time oh sure be like please shut up and just listen to the radio for a little bit you know and cap would do that but he would know that. you wouldn't even have to tell it. What
2: are your thoughts on Cap, Damien?
0: So
1: this person says, my teenager doesn't get why they love Captain America. I had a thing here I want to talk about. When you were reviewing Captain America, Josh said, does the killing of Osama Bin Laden make Captain America more appealing? And I feel like, as a teenager, you're too old. You're, you're past that point. You weren't there when, when Osama Bin Laden was killed. So I feel like that's a lot of the appeal to, to Captain
0: America for a lot of older people. Interesting. I think, to me, I mean, like, it's almost like Ethan. If if you were to distill what it is that you like about the character, then you could then say, "Well, is this the thing that she's going to find interesting?" Because right away, if if she thinks that Winter Soldier is way better than Cap, I think you're sunk. I think you're
2: done. I think he's saying the movie is her favorite.
0: Right, but I mean, but the but for the most
2: part, the movie versions mirror, I think, the comic you versions. Know I'm saying. I think she's saying he's not the character Winter Soldier, but the movie Winter Soldier is her favorite.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Well, either way. I mean, like, think about what it is you like about that. Like, I can tell you what I like about him is that, like, he's a person who who says what he means and means what he says, and he wants to do the right thing, and he's, he's not perfect, but he's a person who you can depend on. He'd be the best friend that you ever had. He'd be, you know, he'd pick you up from the airport. He, uh, you know, isn't concerned about little things. Like, he's, you know, he's sincere. He's, you know, like the best version of a person. Right. I think that is what I like about him. He's somebody who, you know, you would want to have as a friend or a brother or a father and also who you could, you know, want to be like. Like it's the platonic ideal of sort of like – in this instance, it's like sort of, of being a man who's doing the right things and protecting people, you know, and and you know just trying to be good. He stands
2: by his ideals no matter what the consequences to himself personally. So, I mean, the speech yeah. the, the, from, from Civil War that they – they use in the movies, sort of, where you know, if everyone else is telling you you're wrong, but you, you know, you've got your job is to stand there and take it. Like that's a really bad bastardization of the speech, but that's the, the gist of the speech, and that's what sort of encapsulates Cap's ideals, which makes him special. It's like he,
0: you know, it's the same thing in the beginning of the show when he's he's getting beaten up by people. Yeah. And he doesn't. There's nothing he can do about it. But he can stand there and take it all day because he's not giving in to the things that are wrong. And and I mean, for me, I, you know, God forbid we have people like that in charge.
2: It's tough. First of all, I don't know if you can convince a teenager of anything. But I don't know if you can convince a teenager that anything's cool. I mean, if you've gotten her to read all that stuff, take it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> give her Brubaker's run. Even though it's it's it, they they use that as an influence for the movies. It's not the movie story. It's very different. Give her that, that run. I would say... Um, Nothing since then. Civil War is where that speech happens. And there you know as, as many problems as that series has, Cap's great in that series. It's tough because I can think of like, well, you know, I grew up loving Cap's, you know, the Grunewald stuff. But I'm not going to tell you to give her 1980s Captain America comics. Yeah. It's tough because it's almost like you have to read a lot of Marvel comics to fully understand his importance in the Marvel universe and why he's has such a great character. Yeah. Definitely not the ultimate books. No, definitely not. Give her the Brubaker's run and see what she thinks. You know what's interesting is that there's –
0: and we don't have time for this, but there's a lot of comics out there that are Superman analogs. Lots of people have done their sort of Superman yeah. story. There's not a lot of Captain America analogs in that yeah. same
2: – Well, there are, like the S.H.I.E.L.D. and those, Like Archie has some. There's, there's, there was a, there was yeah. a bunch that, that came out there in World War II. Very little that are done – like, you know,
0: now – when people want to explore the nature of these, they'll do sort of the dark Superman story or this, whatever. And, you know, I, I tend to think of Captain America as the the Marvel version of mm-hmm. Superman, meaning the sort of apex of all the stuff. And there's not really a lot of exploration of that.
2: Damn. Anyway. it's also could be something that you may not come to until you're older and, and sort of there are things about Captain America that become appealing the, old, more, the older you get.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's something about dudes like me and Connor who keep reading about World War II and all that stuff. And, you know, maybe not everyone has
2: that. There's also, I mean, there's the Mark Wade trade, Operation Rebirth. Those feature really good Captain America stories. I mean, I can tell you good Captain America stories. I just don't know that they're going to be the ones that are going to make her realize how cool it is. Yep. You know? Anytime he rebels against the government is is a good Captain America story, because that's what he stands for. I don't know what to tell you. I, I think you've, you've, you're you've in a great position. She's reading great comics and watching yep. the movies. Like, she may not love him exactly the way you, you do, or love the same characters the way you do, but it's like when you're, your kid, you know, Roots against your dad's baseball team or something. It's just Sometimes that's the way it goes.
0: It's also the natural thing.
2: So we've talked about it before with our email where at the, we come to the end of the year and anything we haven't answered, we put into a folder and just sort of start, start fresh for the new year. And so I went back and grabbed a <laughs> random email out from 2012 from the mail vault. Vicious Smith, who was one of our regular emailers back then, wrote in in 2012 and said, If Darkseid is indeed the villain of the Justice League movie, how confused are the mainstream audiences going to be when there's another big, muscular, squash faced universe-threatening villain fighting superheroes? Also, I can just imagine people who have never heard of Darkseid claiming that DC ripped off Marvel when they see the guy come on the screen. Oh, boy. Good news, Vicious. It's not going to happen. Nope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is what would have happened. Yes. And they certainly seem like they were leading up to
2: it. Yes, they were. But I don't think you got to worry about that. Good news. The biggest problem with the Justice League movie wasn't Darkseid and confusing him with Thanos, but the inability of Warner Brothers to put together a cohesive movie universe or entertaining Justice League movie. Which is weird, right? Yeah. I mean, like it, it feels like. How do you get? It's like how do you get pizza wrong? They rushed. They brought the pizza out too early.
0: Well, that and they had a bunch of people going. Put some put put banana peppers on that. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think we should. No, no. Put a mushroom, but just one over there. Yeah. And then, and then, like, like they, they mix some whole wheat crust in with the rest of the dough, and then somebody wanted it to be thin crust, but the other guy likes New York style, and they couldn't figure out the oven temperature, and then, like, they just had to serve it, and it, it was...
2: Whereas Marvel has one guy making the pizza.
0: And it turns out he's he's great at pizza.
2: That's the difference. There's a single creative vision behind my Marvel movies. Say what you will about them. People complain they're too similar or whatever, but there's one guy making the decisions, whereas Warner Brothers is, like, the encapsulation of movie making by committee, and it's just a disaster. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest problem. Well, we solved that. If only
0: they would hire us to fix it. <laughs> what a thankless, awful job. Just
2: for the record. ifanboy.com is where you can write in, and we might pull some more old emails out. We may be dedicating more time to emails going forward until everything returns to normal. We keep
0: saying that, but then we get here, I'm like, we don't have time for this, and then you do it anyway, and I'm like, that's fine. I'll just lose my job. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's wrap the show up before Josh gets fired. I agree with that. So uh like we said today we talked about Batgirl Year One, we just did Robin Year One, the book Splode that we, we did recently is out there. And I have a is it a Mia Culpa, I believe. No. I feel bad. Uh I had a talk explode all ready to go this week. Did the interview. I'm even gonna break my rule. I had a very long and interesting conversation uh with Kelly Thompson, a Marvel Comics writer, and uh If you'd like to hear that with just her audio, I guess that's (laughs) possible. But I had a technical glitch, and this is the first time that it ever happened to me, and I felt terrible about it because I really liked her, and we had a great conversation. It was fun. We are going to do it again. I'm going to wait a little bit so it's not super awkward, but that is going to come up. She's down. She's really cool. And that will come along later, not too later.
2: I bet there is an audience out there that would enjoy listening to an interview without your voice in it.
0: I can walk right now.
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> um so yeah a- that will happen it'll come out again they're going to reconvene and do that over again but uh it may be a little while longer but in the meantime there is going to be a media explode as we mentioned earlier we're going to do a second episode this month so you'll get that this month as we said by the end of the year there will be six talk blows and six book explodes. would they all come out exactly on schedule we'll figure that out but there'll be there'll be a media explode this, this month you can check that out and damien has a podcast tell the people about your podcast
1: so my podcast is called can i say something it's me and three buddies uh, from high school sit around and talk about the movies we've been watching food we've been eating we do top fives we uh play some games it's on all of the platforms it's on apple itunes stitcher google play anywhere you get your podcasts
0: how long you been doing that just about over a year oh cool yep what have you learned i just started doing interviews i can't help it (laughs) This
1: is really, really hard. (laughs) Was part of the reason I I, uh, donated. uh, One of the reasons I was uh, patreoned already. So uh, starting my own podcast definitely taught
0: me uh, how how difficult the the job that you guys have is. Yeah. Thank you. It's you know it's like I don't feel like it's hard, but I feel like it takes a lot of time and practice and to sort of get to a point where you're you're comfortable with it. But also, it just takes a lot of time. It's just uh, a lot of time.
2: So check out. Can I say something? That's Damien's podcast, available wherever podcasts are sold. You may. Do you
0: say that in the show? Do you just. I, like I it, do. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I when, when I go
1: on a, a s- rant, I say I say like, can I say something? It's it's sort of that sort of thing. I see. <laughs> good I say, hook. Yes.
0: So like when Dennis yep. Miller would say, I don't want to get off on a rant here. Yes. Exactly. 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 <laughs> and then he would turn into a horrible monster. <laughs> don't do that.
2: Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our shows. That's where you can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And who knows what the pick of the week is going to be moving forward, but it'll be there. Pick something. You can also find out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following us at ifanboy on Twitter, and following at ifanboycomics on Instagram. The best League of Panels is obviously on hiatus at the moment. Don't know what's going to happen there either. But in the meantime, individually, we are CS Kilpatrick on Instagram, Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, and Damien, where can people find you online? Sure. It's uh, B-I-S-I-C-K-L-E
1: at Bicycle on Twitter. Cool. Yep. Work.
0: So you know what the pick of the week is going to be next week? It's going to be a nap. That's what I'm <laughs> going to do. The pick of the say. week is done. <laughs> <laughs> we just take like 20 minutes of silence. Maybe we'll play some calming <laughs> music and then you come back. <laughs> some ASMR nice. podcast. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, if you like this show, you like any show, anything you can do to help any of the shows that you're listening to that are helping you get through this, make sure you leave reviews for them, make sure that you support them, make sure you leave ratings for them wherever they're going and tell people about them, not just ours, just anybody who you can get to, because I think that it's helping a lot now. Ironically, I haven't had a lot of time to listen to podcasts for because I'm very busy with all this stuff now and I don't, I don't drive around any- anymore. So that's a thing. But if you do if they're getting you through um make sure uh, that you're you're telling people about or doing whatever you can to help those shows stick around. Uh, in ours too if you want that. And that's that's our show today. Damien, how much regret do you have right now?
1: <laughs> Absolutely none. You guys are a goddamn American treasure.
2: Oh. Well, that's that's, <laughs> that's not that true. That really
0: we <laughs> that really means something though
2: when you say that. Like that's you, right. know, you need to just throw that around. We thank you again. We could not Yes. Believe it, when we saw the, the donation, hopefully you had fun and enjoyed your time. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and dealing with You're all welcome. this nonsense in the middle of all this craziness. I know uh, we talked about you skipping because you wouldn't be on a regular show. And I, some people mentioned it in the Facebook Patreon page that they felt bad for you because you weren't going to get on a regular show. But hopefully this was fun and it wasn't uh, disappointment.
1: That was a disappointment. It was a lot of fun seeing how the sausage was made. Don't yeah.
2: tell anyone how chaotic nightmare it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and it was fun.
0: And listen, you didn't suck. Because we got to worry about stuff like that. And you, you don't need to
2: worry about it. You didn't suck. It was fun, and we were glad to have you on. Thank you. It was fun being here. Cool. Right. Well, until next time, everyone, stay safe. Wash your hands. I'm Connor. Josh. Say your name. I'm, there it I'm is. Damien. I'm <laughs> Damien. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. You
0: just call brother. When you